for our second message today. We have a sermon from Mr. Steve Andrews titled Selected Psalms, and he later told us of David. Mr. Andrews. Now I'm live. Sorry about that. And I have to say the same thing Matt said. We kind of are all excited and prepared for the feast, and all of a sudden it's all over with. It's like, man, prepared and do all the things that we did and get all ready, and next thing we know, it's the first Sabbath after the feast that we come together. And I want to welcome anyone that's tuning in today to us and is here to, with us. And um, I, my message today, interestingly enough, as Reg kind of pointed out, kind of dangles out there, selected psalms. Uh, if, I'd have, if I'd have really realized it before I sent the title in, I would have, told, uh, I would have made it selected psalms of David. And then it would have been maybe a more complete sentence, but not quite as complete, but a more complete sentence. We had gone through a lot of the different scriptures on, in the feast. It was very profoundly interesting how, many, how, how wide and how broad a, a, the, the feast was in, in covering the Bible and covering all the things that, that we really needed to go through the winters before we come through the, to the next feast. And that's what the feast is all about. It's preparing us. Whether it's preparing us for a long winter or preparing us for the kingdom of God. Preparing our, li- our minds and our hearts to follow the Father and the Son. To live the way that we, sh- we should live. One of the most interesting characters, I think, in the Bible is David. And God called him a man after his own heart. And yet David, if we really wanted to, to understand, he, he had a lot of problems. And God didn't even want him to build his temple. He did, because he was a bloody man. And yet, when you read his psalms, you see something in David that he had a tremendous heart. He had a love for God. Even in a sin, he wanted to appeal to God's mercy. So I, I've selected a few of them, and I don't know if I'll get through with all of them or not. Uh, I think they're ones that I've read over and over, and probably you have too. I'd like to say something before we get started, and for those that might be interested, in the past I have sat down and I have taken the Psalms and split it up into enough divisions to to read through them in a full month. And that gives you a a real good feeling for the Psalms and for what uh, is being given to us in a spiritual way because the Psalms are uh, a spiritual outreach 
talks about law, talks about grace, talks about mercy. All the different things that come into the Psalms. And so they really are encouraging in a lot of ways to read and try to understand uh, the Psalms. And so by reading them, we, we come to a, a depth of our own spiritual uh, feeling. And especially when we understand the kind of uh, things that David said, King David, about God. In Psalm 23, we're so very familiar with that. And we probably, some of us, could could repeat it by heart. But let's think about what it says here. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So, David already equates himself with a being like a sheep. The Bible says all the sheep have gone astray. All of his people have gone astray just like the sheep. And so there is a lot of that in the scriptures about shepherding, about us being like sheep. And and this is essentially the shepherd's uh, psalm. So if you went and you found the book, uh, A Shepherd's Understanding of the Psalm 23, I'm not going to go through that. That was not my point because I've got a lot of different psalms that I want to go through today. But I wanted to to talk just a little bit about this. He, rest- he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. It's, it's like God is always with me. And I've got another scripture that I want to turn to, and I think you'll see how this plays in to what Jesus is doing with each one of us. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your ride and your staff shall come for me. Now that's not just, just the days that we live in. But there is a time in, in our life when we will come to that point, when we will have to face going to the, to the valley of the shadow of death. And at that point is when we really trust that God is with us, that he is there to take care of us at that point. Because we want that spirit to go to God. We want to be resurrected in that day. We want that. And so we want that comfort. We want to know that he is there. You prepare a table before the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And of course, our Savior probably understood this. And probably a lot of it applied to him as he was walking this earth. As well as Psalm 22, which was also a a psalm of David. But let's turn to to John, the 10th chapter. I was hoping that Kim would not go ahead and read that one too. (laughs) <laughs> and I, was, I thought that it was quite profound that from John the ninth chapter you pick up right continuing on because he hasn't quit saying anything he's actually continuing to, to talk from John the ninth chapter right on in to John the tenth chapter And so all that was going on, the Pharisees that were listening, the Pharisees that were standing there, the man that had 
his sight restored. And now Jesus goes into something very profound, very interesting. Verily, verily, I say unto you, and this is a parable, he that enters not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that enters in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter opens, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he puts forth his own, hand, uh, own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable Jesus spoke, uh, this parable spoke Jesus to them, but they understood not what things they were which he spoke to them. Then Jesus said to them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that enter, that ever come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. And so we, you see how this ties in to Psalms 23. Jesus knew that psalm, and he understood that it was also talking about him and his leadership as our shepherd, as the one that we follow. The thief comes out not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I hope we all believe that that, that is the truth, that Jesus is to giving us that life that we might have it more abundantly, more uh, the that it really does open our hearts and our minds to the things that God wants us to understand. He says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. And there's a couple other uh, scriptures there. You can look in Isaiah 40, verse 11, and Ezekiel 34, verse 12. If you like, there's a couple of um, more scriptures that talk about the shepherd and the sheep. But that he is a, he that is a hireling, and not the shepherd whose own the sheep are not, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches them and scatters the sheep. The hireling flees because he's the hireling and cares not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knows me even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. That's why this is Jesus' church, not Matt's or I's or any of the, or, or Barnabas or anyone else here. This church belongs to Jesus Christ. He is the good shepherd. He is the one that is directing us, guiding us, and leading us into the kingdom of God. He says, and other sheep I have. This is so prophetic. I, this is so profound. Other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. So all of us are being sheep being led by Jesus Christ. And I think that's a, 
That's a wonderful analogy because we do need to be led. We need, we need guidance. We need God's word. We need the guidance that they have. And we need to understand that they are there and that they are constantly aware of our life and what we're doing and that they love us and that they want us into the, into the kingdom. So let's go back to the Psalms now. We see that connection. Let's go back and let's think about David. What an individual. And in so many ways, you would think, oh, I, I rem-, and I've said this before, and I remember a sermon which they went through all of the negative things about David. By the time they got finished with all the negative things, I thought, oh, and this guy, oh, David is so. Oh. Then he stopped. And he started going through all the positive things about David. All the good things that David did. All the heart of David. And how he loved God. Praised God. But, God, but G, David was a sinner. David sinned uh, big time. What we would say today, modern, modern vernacular, he's saying big time. He committed adultery and then had the husband murdered. There's no other way around it because that's exactly what he did. He knew that once he put him on the front lines that he probably would not survive. So he had already committed all of this. And I'm not going to go into it, but you know, it's interesting because I'm going to read another psalm of David in which he reveals how God knows. (laughs) what we do. And there's no way around it, brethren. So here Nathan comes in and he talks to him about the little sheep and how this ruler takes this precious little sheep, takes it away, sacrifices it, and this poor guy without it. Nathan then turns around to David and David was livid. Oh, this guy ought to be, you know. Nathan says, it's you, David. It's you. You're the one. You're the one that has done this. And so, God tells him, I will punish you for this. David goes in and fasts, and I think during that fast, he writes this psalm. And it was a psalm, and we sing it. We sing this psalm, Psalm 51. Sometimes we sing it at Passover, in the evening. And it's a beautiful psalm, and yet in it we realize that it's someone that's reaching out to God for mercy, to help him to, to really come to a, um, a place in his life in which he has, uh, has the right kind of relationship with God. And I think this really does show how David's heart and what kind of heart he had. He says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness. By the way, all of us, if we get into a situation in our own lives, when it seems like the things that are happening, and maybe even some sins that have come up, we can take this very psalm, David's psalm, and we can go to God and pray. This psalm, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquities. Cleanse me from my sin. 
For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. So in every way, we have to, we have to understand what David is saying. This is how we come and ask God for forgiveness. We ask, this is how we repent. This is the things that we say. Against you only have I sinned, and done this evil in your sight, that you might be justified when you speak, and be clear when you judge. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and sin, did my mother conceive me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you shall make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. I think this is a profound sentence right here. That David really feared something that he had experienced. You remember Saul, who was the king during, before David became king. And Saul had sinned. And what happened was that God took the spirit that he had given him out of him and gave him a troubling spirit. So Saul would uh, go kind of mad, kind of, kind of crazy. <laughs> I got this the only way I can say it. He would, and what would happen was David would come and he would play for him. He would play the instrument that he was, and he would play. And, the, and it would quiet that spirit down. Several times, Saul almost killed David because of that troubling spirit. Now, I don't know whether it was a, what kind of spirit. It just says it was kind of a troubling spirit that came upon him, and, and he would go kind of batty, and, and so David would help him through that. Many times, David helped Saul, and yet Saul wanted to kill David over and over again. He tried to kill him. One time, we know that David even had the opportunity to kill Saul. But no, I won't do that. And he was chosen by God, and I am not going to do that, even though he, he could have taken that responsibility on. And he even had to hide many times. And yet God was with him. And his fear was that he might lose that spirit that God had given him, which was so precious to him. And I think from all of us, as we, we realize what God has, has given us, which is his spirit, that it is so important and precious to us. So he says, cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore in me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with your free spirit. And I've got under the underlined your willing spirit because it's by God's will that these things, can, you know, uh, that God does this for us. And I think because he loved David so much, he was, he was receptive to, to David's prayer. He was receptive to this in his life. Restore the joy of your salvation and uphold me with your free or your willing spirit. Then will I teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness. Uh, blood guiltiness. Oh God, you God of my salvation and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. 
Lord, open your lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you desire not sacrifice, else would I give it. You delight not in burnt offerings. The sacrifice of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. So when we come to that place in our life in which we need to, to have that relationship with God, this kind of relationship, as David said, that's not what God really wants. He doesn't want you to go out and, and kill a calf or, or, or a, a lamb, even though that was part of their sacrifices in, in Israel. What he really wants is what David said here. A broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart. Those things God will not despise. So beautiful. And, and, and you can understand as he's sitting there and he's praying that that child will, be, will live and he knows that God has, has already made it, but he's still praying and asking God to intervene. Do good in your good pleasure to Zion. Build you the walls of Jerusalem. Then shall you be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offerings, whole burnt offerings, and then shall you offer bullocks in your altar. And so there was a time in which this, you know, you could, you could bring those things before him and that God would be pleased. But David understood he needed to repent. And he needed to come before God with a repentant and deep repenting attitude. Now, with this one and through this experience, I wondered if later he didn't write Psalm 139. Because look at what he says in Psalm 139. Very interesting psalm. He says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. This is the chief musician of Psalm of David. I'm not reading the headings, but you can see in your Bible, most of the Bibles have these little headings, and all of them were a, a song that could be put to music. If you if, if <laughs> had the, the talent of art over there to take uh, the, the words and, and commit them to music, you could, you could commit these to, to music. And David had that talent. So he says, O oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my, my downsetting and my uprising. You understand my thought afar off. You compass my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O oh Lord, you know it altogether. Well, that shows a, a, a very close relationship, doesn't it? I've got, I've got a couple of things I want to read here, and we'll talk about that here in just a second. Uh, you have beset me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? And so that, for those of us who understand that how the spirit works, and I want to turn to 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, to kind of emphasize that. Because 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, shows you how God works with our spirit so that this is so true. This is what David wrote here. The spirit that is in us is so true. In 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, I know a lot of this 
Sometimes it's review, and for those, I always like to turn to this because I think that it really helps us to understand how the workings of God in our very, uh, very being and how that spirit works. It says in verse 9, beginning in verse 9, it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the hearts of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed them to us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knows no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world. So we see different types of Spirit here. But the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are, uh, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things we also speak not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. The natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolish to him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is a spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who has known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And so, with our spirit in man and the Spirit of God together, God is able to understand all us individually. That's how he is there instantly. That's how we can pray and he's there. That's how we can go because of Jesus Christ. And he set that up. So let's go back to Psalm 139. Let's pick it back up here because there's a lot more that David reveals about the spirit that is working in us. If I ascend into the heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in in the grave, which is what the hell was, in the grave, behold, you are there. Now, why would he say that? Did he understand the resurrection? Did God teach him those things? I think maybe he did. You're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall your hand lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. And if I say, surely, darkness shall cover me up, even the night shall be light unto me, or shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hides, not from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. I think about when I was young and I was always afraid of the dark. You know, sometimes you, those things kind of go bump in the night and you're just afraid of the dark. But I think understanding what, that, that God dwells in me, I should not be afraid. Of course, the, the society we live in and things like that, but even in that, we should give our hearts over to God and ask Him to be, be with us and protect us and take away those fears. For you have possessed my rings, verse 13. You have covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works that my soul knows right well. And so he gives, not only that, but he gives God credit for, for creation, for creating him, and understanding that he was created. 
God gave him a, a lot of understanding, just like Solomon. And, and you read David's Psalms, you kind of really understand how, how he uh, possessed a, a tremendous amount of, of spiritual understanding and spiritual knowledge that God had given that to him through the spirit that, was, that he had been given. My substance was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, verse 15, and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes did see my substance, yet being imperfect, your book of all my members were written, which, uh, which in countenance with fashion, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I, would, if I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I wake, I am still with you. Surely you will slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, you bloody men. For they speak against you wickedly, and your enemies take your name in vain. Do, I not, do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate you? And, do not I, and am I not grieved with those that rise against you? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them as my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. So when we, we come to God, we ask him, search me, search my life. Lead me, guide me, help me through this life. Help me through things. Help me through the, the, the people that, that hate us because we worship God. It may get worse. I don't know. Things in the society, and in fact in the whole world, beginning to, to move more and more against those who believe in God's word, who believe in God, believe that what the Bible says. And so, consequently, we're going to have to get closer and closer to God and have a, a deeper and more fulfilling relationship with him so that we can get through some of the trials and tribulations that we may have to go through. And I... I in, you know, you could talk on and on about some of those things. So let's, let's go to one that's very interesting, that's prophetic. Truly very prophetic. And we touched on it a little bit at the feast, but not very much. And, I, and well, in a way, we did a lot. And yet, I, I think there's even more in this very short seven verses here that we can learn from. And I'm not going to go to to a, a couple of the ones that uh, go back. But I am going to read some of the, the scriptures where they, are, they're, they come out. That's a Psalm, 110, uh, uh, Psalm 110. And it is a Psalm of David. And so it said, The Lord said to my Lord. So that's uh, Yahweh, Yehovah, however you want to look at, look at it. Said to my Adonai, or Adonai, however you pronounce that one. I'm not real sure since uh, that's not my area of expertise as uh, Hebrew speaking, but understanding that those, he, there's a large L-O-R-D and uh, a smaller L-O-R-D uh, in the two, so that there's two different beings talking here. One is actually talking, or uh, two beings that are mentioned here, and one is actually talking. So the larger one, the L-O-R-D, says, 
sit you at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. So this is a, a very important part of what the Father and the Son have planned when, they return, when Christ returns. And if you want to look up some of these, you can look up Matthew 22, 44, Mark 12, 35, Hebrews 1, 3, Luke 20, 43, Acts 2, 34. You can go in there and, and look those up. I'm not going to go through them. Hebrews 10, 13, 1 Corinthians 15, 25, Ephesians 1, 20, Hebrews 1, 13. So a lot of scriptures. That, that one verse. Interesting how that, those, some of those tie in together. And then sometimes we read that one and then we leave the rest of it. Or we skip to verse 4. But I want to read all of, this, all of David's psalm. The Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion, rule you in the midst of your enemies. So the large L-O-R-D, Jehovah, Yahweh, shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion, rule you in the midst of your enemies. And that's what it says in the scriptures. That he will rule over his enemies. And that he will rule them with a rod of iron if he has to. If that's what he needs to do. Your people shall be willing in the day of your power. In the beauties of holiness. From the womb of the, of the morning you have the dew of your youth. Are we going to be willing at that day to be with Christ when he comes back? Absolutely. We're going to be willing. It says in, as an alternate reading it says volunteer freely. I want to volunteer freely right now. <laughs> I want to be there. I want to ride that white horse down with Christ that day. I'm willing. I'm ready. I'm still physical though. <laughs> I'm not there yet. None of us are. But that day will come and we will be willing and we will be wanting to be there. In the day of your power, in the beauties of holiness, from the womb of the morning, you have the dew of your youth. The Lord has sworn and will not repent. You are a priest after, uh, forever after the order of Melchizedek. And, and, of course, you can see some of those scriptures in Hebrews 5, 6, 6, 20, 7, 21. So there's a lot of places where that's talked about in the book of Hebrews. And, and tying that in to, to a prophecy, to very unique and very important prophecies about Christ so uh, and, and what God is doing the Lord at your right hand shall strike the kings in the day of his wrath so if you notice it's a smaller L-O-R-D uh, Adane Adane however you pronounce that at your right hand shall strike through the kings in the day of his wrath. So we see that there will be a time where they're working together to bring about true peace on this earth. Not peace, peace, and then there's no peace, but true peace on this earth. He shall judge among the heathen. He shall fill the places with dead bodies. He shall wound the heads over the many countries. And I, I think that's an, the initial coming, I believe, when he comes. Because there, there probably will be a lot of people that will be wanting to fight Christ. and They will not win. And the last one is kind of an interesting verse. And I've, I've, I've tried to, to work through this one. 
And I've looked at many different translations and many different things, and I've tried to put it into context with what we've just been reading. And, and I, the only thing that I've been able to work out, he shall drink of the brook in the way, therefore he shall lift up his head. It is like Christ is a powerful spirit being, and there is nothing that can touch him. And he will walk through the land with his head high. And no matter what is around, no matter what enemies are around, they will have no way in which they can touch him when he comes to this earth. And so it's like a, uh, a look. Okay, this is, this is a warrior. He is a strong warrior. And he comes up, and he's been battling, he's been battling, he's been battling, and he's thirsty. And he comes to, to this, this brook, and, and this fresh water is out there. And he has no concern for the enemies that are around him. And he goes down and drinks without worry about what's around him. He is a, he's a powerful warrior, and he lifts his head. It's almost like there is no one that can beat me. I am going to win this, this battle. You know, it, it is for the sake of all mankind, isn't it? It's not just for you and me, but it's for the sake of all mankind. I had a... Let me see what... Uh, I had another... I don't know if I gave this one to... Um, to Brian or not. Let's turn to Psalm, the second chapter. I want to read just a few verses here, 6 through 9, that, that, that tie in a little bit with this and the power in which God is going to give to Christ when he comes back. In verse 5, it says, uh, Then shall he speak to them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my kingdom upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, You are my son. This day have I begotten you. Ask of me, and I shall give you the heathen for your inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for your possessions. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. And so Christ is going to be given the power that he needs, and you can refer back to Revelation 2 and verse 27 if you would like to see uh, those, those things. So, the last psalm, even this will be a little shorter message today, but the last psalm that I have is Psalm 5. To the chief musician upon Negaloth, the psalm of David. Now, I don't know, maybe Art knows what a Negaloth is. <laughs> maybe it's a stringed instrument. I, I don't know. I'm sure there's somewhere that says it. He says, give ear to my words. O Lord, consider my meditation. Do we do that? Do we ask God to consider what we're thinking, to consider our innermost feelings, our innermost thoughts? David wanted God. <laughs> Maybe, oh, wait a minute, I've, this has been my week. Uh, God, please don't, don't come down and listen to what I'm, I'm thinking today. I, David wanted God to understand. Consider my meditation. Hearken to the voice of my cry, my King and my God. For to you I will pray. My voice shall you hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer to you 
and I will look up. For you are not a God that has pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with you. The foolish shall not stand in your sight. You hate all workers of iniquity. You shall destroy them that speak um, falsehoods. The Lord will abhor the bloody and deceitful man. But as for me, I will come into your house in the multitude of your mercy. And in your fear, I will worship towards your holy temple. And by the way, we are that holy temple. God has told us. We are that temple. And so anytime, God, listen to my meditation. Listen to what my thinking. I love you because you've called me out of this world. You've given me understanding in every way. And just think of all those men like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and David, and all those men that we'll be able to meet in the kingdom. Be able to get, and then of course Jesus, the Father, Wow, what we will have. I will worship toward your holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness, because of my enemies. Make your way straight before my face. For, it is, there, is, for there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is very wickedness. Their throat is, is an open sepulcher. They flatter with their tongue. Destroy you them, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them into the multitude of their transgressions, for they have rebelled against you. And there's going to be uh, those that are not going to repent. They are going to have to, uh, they, they will rebel against God, and they will not repent, and God will have to correct them. Verse 11, but let all those that put their trust in you rejoice, and that's us. Rejoice, brethren. Let them ever shout for joy, because you defend them. Let them also love your name. Be joyful in you, for you, Lord, will bless the righteous with favor. Will you compass him with a shield? 